Welcome to Story of a Storyteller. I'm your host, Connor Braden. This is the show where I found out all about the ins and outs of the lives of storytellers of all kinds. You can find my free novella, The Stolen Dagger, episode show notes, links to all sorts of amazing books, and more at connorbraden.com slash podcast. Enjoy! And welcome to episode 5 of season 2 of Story of a Storyteller I have a lot to get through today and I'm really excited to share today's episode with you Today's guest is Eve MacDonald Eve MacDonald is an Irish children's author, artist and all round fantastic person She is the author of Else Time, a middle grade fantasy book that tells the story of Needle, Glory and their mutual time travelling pet crow the novel launched in September 2020 and that's one of the things even I talk about about what it was like to have her debut novel launch during a global pandemic. I met Eve through season one's guest uh, Sarah Webb. Sarah asked me if I was interested in volunteering for Wonderfest which was the first completely online children's book festival here in Ireland. I jumped at the opportunity of course and through it I discovered the huge level of effort that goes into organising such an event. Thankfully Eve has a astounding organisational skills. We talk about Wonderfest as well as a lot of other things and one thing that I think is really interesting is how she decided to write through a chance meeting with a fortune teller. As for my own writing, I had a bizarre experience last Friday. So I'm currently reading The Anatomy of Story by John Truby for the past while in an effort to, you know, improve as a writer, obviously. And As a result, half of my brain is constantly reflecting and thinking about my next project, which will be the sequel to my first novel, The Longest Night. I was struggling to come up with an idea for um, two particular characters. I wanted to find a way to make them develop that would make sense from the first book, but would still be interesting enough to be kind of the emotional anchor of the second. I woke up in the middle of the night on Friday, and I finally realised what I should do with them. It was around half four, I think, and I lay in bed for a good while trying to decide will I or will I not remember the idea? And um, I just caved at the last second. I was dozing off. I said, no, get up. And I just got up out of bed, walked to the sitting room and uh, wrote down the idea. And I'm so grateful I did because the next morning I woke up and I had completely forgotten the idea. And I genuinely had to go and read it again and be like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's great. So thankfully it was waiting for me in my notebook in the sitting room. In other news, during the week over on Twitter I ran two small, very small, um, competitions. One was um, I was raffling off a paperback, signed paperback copy of The Longest Night um, because the podcast account reached 400 followers, which I was very happy with. And another was um, to do with the stats of the podcast. So one thing I really love about the podcast is seeing where it goes all over the world and uh, I checked it just randomly and I saw there were only two continents on this entire planet that my podcast hadn't been listened to uh, so I ran a mini competition and I said whoever can guess the two continents that the podcast hasn't been listened to yet 
that their book that I would buy their book and read it and I'd talk about it here on the show so if you want to find out if you're one of the people who won the paperback or if you uh, want to find out who the winner was for the uh, continent book buying competition uh, stick around till after the interview but for now let's hear from Eve Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Story of a Storyteller and my guest today is Eve McDonald. How are you Eve? I'm not too bad Connor, how are you? Thanks for having me. Not at all, it's a joy. Um, I'm actually really happy because usually when I have a guest on I usually make a mistake with their name somewhere. <laughs> and it's just your name is just so easy. I'm just like oh I'm not gonna get this one wrong. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Glad to be of service. <laughs> Um, Eve, for anyone watching and listening, is the author of Elstein, uh, a children's novel, which we will be talking a lot about. And uh, it's there behind her uh, as well. It's a beautiful cover and it's one of the most striking things about it. Um, just it's 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 such a different cover. So we can't wait to talk. Thank you. That's um, by Holly Ovenden. Um, she's a fabulous illustrator um, and artist. Um, so I was blessed to have Holly do the cover for my book. Absolutely blessed. Very, very talented. For anyone listening, um, it's it's a it's hard to explain. There's the crow looking into a, a a puddle on the top half of the book. Then it says the name of the book, Else Time. And then there's the reflection of the crow looking back up. And it's just a, it's very stylistic. And just check. There's a link in the show notes and description if you want to take a look at the book in closer detail and even buy it possibly uh but anyway eve before we start plugging books we should talk about talk first i think um so to start us off can you tell me a bit about your childhood and where you grew up yeah i can well uh firstly i'm irish obviously um i i was actually born in cavan um uh and i i didn't i didn't spend long in cavan actually i think my mum and dad got me out and moved me to dublin i think by the time i was about two or three um so my entire childhood was was Dublin um so we lived in Dunleary and uh moved I think to Cabin Teeley then when I was about eight a little bit further south um and as it happens that's kind of the direction I kept going in because uh as soon as school was done and I could afford it um and college was done I I moved further south again down to Wicklow and uh spent a few years there and kept moving south and I'm now in Wexford so I'm hoping maybe I'll end up south of France or Spain or something like that so yeah my, my, my childhood was definitely a Dublin upbringing um, went to the local community school um, didn't fare too well there was a huge school and ended up moving to um, an all-girls Catholic school in the city centre instead I'm sure that did me some good favour <laughs> at some level so yeah good childhood very very good um, I know because I was listening to a different podcast you did before that your one of your favorite books is coincidentally also one of my favorite books um The Wizard of Oz yeah uh, as a child so like why that book what is it about The Wizard of Oz that speaks to you gosh and it still does speak to me it's to me well firstly you know I'm a a writer and um um, an artist so the the actual illustrations in the book just blew me away and it was that the wonderful old style way of of not only having illustrations on individual pages but there were book book plates as they were called um picture plates in in between you know you'd read the first three chapters and then there'd be say five or six uh full page illustrations some of which 
detailing the story you've just read and others giving you a taste for what was to come. So it was very exciting and kept you going throughout the book. So there were two or three sort of sections where you had just these beautiful glossy illustrations. So that in, in itself is what attracted me to the book. But I suppose I can't remember whether or not I had seen the movie um, before or after I read uh, the book itself. But when you think back, the book was written in 1900. Yeah. donkey's years ago um and the guy who wrote it l frank brown he he wrote it as he said with the intention um to bring pleasure to children not to to teach them a lesson um or to have some sort of a, a message in the background in fact there is a beautiful message in the book but that was not his intention and i i just felt you know it did stand out for that very reason alone that it was just magical and it sort of showed you that the imagination has has no bounds you know it literally goes from one crazy scenario to the next and better than that like when you compare it to the movie and I love the movie it's my favorite movie too but um when you read the book there are so many extra little bits in it and yeah. especially for younger readers it was like to me it was like I've, I've used uh, this before but to, to it's like going into your favorite sweet shop seeing all your favorite sweets and then discovering you know a secret room in the back where you can go in and there's there's more sweets you know that you've never even dreamt of so you know reading the book brought that to me and every time I read it I forget that oh my god there was this whole little adventure and that whole little adventure so I just you know I held it really close to my heart because you know that magic that you feel as a child reading a book like that is precious um very few movies or books can do that I think to to you and when I write because I write for children I tried to in some way get you in that world where it's just you're just lost in it and it's magical um and yet you can you can see yourself in it so that that's kind of where I'm 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 trying to that's my aim is to write something as magical as the wonderful wisdom of Oz have my work cut out for me (laughs) (laughs) indeed um because yeah like even just to stay on wizard of Oz for just a sec the film is very linear it's very go to the Hamlet city um go defeat the witch come back and i'll send you home whereas yeah. the book i mean they go all over the place it is what's i can never is it the winkies there was a- the winkies that's right yeah there's a whole load of different things actually in the book um that really like they just blow you away you know it, yeah. it really it is quite different to the film and you know to be honest you know if you were to write that book as it's written today um and try and approach say an agent or uh, you know a publisher um it probably wouldn't get accepted in the way in which it's written but you know it's still it is it, it just works whatever it is about the magic of it and I suppose it was very unique unique in its time and it stood the test of time because you know it people st- that book is still being published today yeah. so it's it's just incredible to think that you know that was in 1900 it's 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 so long ago and yet every bit of it is still relevant that the language is even relevant today there's very little in it that you sort of say okay um that you have to cut that bit out or change that or whatever i know the book has gone under you know a few little snips here and there mm-hmm. uh, to bring it up to date but very little you know so it's it's a, it's a magical read yeah because i think that's one thing um as a teacher i find very hard sometimes to get kids into reading classics because sometimes the language is so dense and is so yeah. different from their vernacular that children are just very hesitant but there's some there is there are certain books and the wizard of oz is definitely one of them that the language is just so open and easy and accessible and it just makes the magic of the story come to life a lot easier doesn't it it does yeah yeah it's brilliant a gorgeous book and uh before we started recording you were telling me about another book you loved when you were a kid (laughs) (laughs) but this is it 
when you know I know I'm a writer and I should be saying I read book after book after book yeah. after um I was obsessed with well, I'll call it nonfiction, <laughs> but I, I was obsessed with reading encyclopedia and uh, not only that the dictionary yeah. um and i'm showing my age here now but you know there used to be a guy that would call around and knock on doors selling these tomes i suppose these massive big encyclopedia that you know it's it must have they must my parents must have spent like months of salary of wages on, on these books alone um but they and they didn't come as new to our door they were also um second hand and oh. some of them are donkeys years old even by the time we got them and i was fascinated by them because they literally had they were our google that's how we found out about the world um and as you said earlier if you had a school project the answer would be in that book, um, be it about weather, like dinosaurs, whatever it might be. And I still have those books. They were absolutely beautiful. Some of them even have little cut out diagrams that you kind of flip over and lift the lid and see what's inside, you know, the human body or whatever it might be. So I was fascinated by them, but I was also fascinated by simply reading the dictionary. <laughs> I suppose it, it kind of fed into what I ended up doing with my life and uh, yeah. writing. Um, you know, I, I just thought words were brilliant. And, you know, th there was a section before you got to the letter A, which, you know, would give you kind of a multiple choice. What does this word mean? And the words to this day, I'd still struggle to understand some of them. Um, and I used to test myself regularly on these words, you know, and to me, I mean, what more could you ask for? <laughs> <laughs> but genuinely, I was more, I was definitely more nonfiction than fiction. Um, growing up as a child the, the fiction that I fell in love with ultimately um, obviously I read The Wizard of Oz a hundred million times but I loved Tintin Asterix um, all that sort of stuff graphic novels as we call them now um, uh, rather than your your straightforward uh, Enid Blyton story yeah that was that was what appealed to me at the time yeah yeah I, I, I that's one thing I'm, I'm learning a lot from doing this podcast is everyone really has a very unique relationship with reading and writing and stories and stuff like that. I mean, even though encyclopedia are nonfiction, there's still stories in there. It's just in a factual in history. I love history. And I remember going to the library um, as a very young child and all the other kids would be over in the fiction section for kids. And I would be over in the adult section for nonfiction, looking up space travel and you know, managing pets and whatever it might be. And I just, I just thought it was just, it, I, as I said, it was my Google. It, you know, you had the answer to absolutely everything there. Um, and I would take out as many books as I possibly could in one go and just study them. And, you know, all these things, they, they ignite your imagination. Um, and I suppose that's, that's where it all started. If I, if I really think back on it, you know? Yeah. Um, now, for anyone outside of Ireland, we're going to talk about something that they mightn't be necessarily aware of. For anyone who grew up in Ireland, they're going to be like, what? Really? That people do win that? Because when you were younger, you won the Texaco art competition, which I'll be honest with you, I didn't think actual children won that. <laughs> I thought it was, oh, I remember as a kid, I thought it was a scam. I thought we just all did a little bit of art, sent it in, and then like I'm going to say real artists because that's the way I thought did it the drawings adults <laughs> did the one that was sure because the winners used to be on calendars and stuff like that that's right it was huge uh, you know it's, and it's still going it's a yeah. still it's still a very very um popular competition yeah um I did I didn't come first now hands up I came third um that's still good <laughs> still winning <laughs> so yeah it was a big deal I I was I was 
I think I was 11 maybe at the time oh, so wow. I'm guessing what would that be fifth class sixth class yeah. um I was quite young in school so probably sixth class for me but I um yeah it was a big a big a big change big crossroads for me um to win that competition and um obviously I had you know an interest in art before that because when I was in first class um Mrs Kern our fabulous teacher she was known as an artist she was brilliant and she encouraged us all to do art it must it felt like every other day um and I remember she entered without telling us she entered some of our work to the Texaco art competition and I won a certificate um back then and that is probably when my interest in art or I I became labeled the artist Um, and I remember at the end of of that school year so I would have been about six I suppose or seven um they they used to give out you know medals to best kids in class and all that sort of stuff and um, my religion copybook uh, came first in the class because of his drawings the top half page we have a little drawing so um and I I remember the effort I put into that and I remember wrapping the the book in tinfoil and etching little drawings onto the cover of the tinfoil I still have it under my bed but uh yeah so that that I think is when it was all triggered um in that I would I would try and um gorge out a career in art and not writing but art uh back then yeah, because then you, when you, um, if we speed on from the, the tech score competition, you end up going to NCAD, which for anyone outside Ireland, that's the National College of Art and Design, um, which now I, I, I never tried to get in there, but I hear it isn't easy to get in or at one stage it wasn't easy. Like you had to have a huge portfolio prepared and everything. Right. Yeah, so, I was actually quite lucky in my secondary school um, where I did my leaving cert. Uh, there were very few students interested in art. Unfortunately, it was the, the DOS subject back then. Yeah. Um, so my teacher, uh, my art teacher was was really supportive of me because she knew I had a genuine interest. And she let me prepare my portfolio in the classroom um, during lunch breaks and after school using the materials that they had there, yeah. um, you know, in terms of frames and all that sort of stuff, uh, mount boards and what have you. So it was a big deal. I didn't probably appreciate it enough at the time and um, the support that I got. Um, but I did get into art college and I suppose, you know, it was I was always sort of um, pushed, if you like, guided, whatever way you want to say it into that um, direction. So going to NCAD was what I should be doing and it's what I did do. Um, but I have to admit for years afterwards, um, you know, I continued with my art. I went straight from NCAD into a graphic design job, mm-hmm. um, which I stuck with for, I think it was eight years. And my God, that was my, that was my, my college. That was, that was where I learned everything um, that I needed to know um, about design. And I, you know, I, I, but somewhere along the way, I kind of felt that this, I, I strongly believe we have this absolute need to create at some level. And some people have feel that stronger than others. I, if I don't create in any shape or form, now I'm talking, it could be knitting, not that I do, but it could be anything, but to create, um, it's, it's, it's something that it's a need that's in me. And if I don't do it, um, I will suffer consequences. And it took me a long time to realize the difference in how I, my well-being, literally, how I felt about the world and how much create creativity I had done recently. So I, I felt that although I was doing my art, if you like, in my college years, in my um, first job that time, um, I still felt something was missing. Um, and I actually decided, and it was a big decision, but I did it. And that was to quit working in the area of um, design and art altogether and keep that as my hobby. So that's, that was a big step I made probably in my mid to late 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that um, I, I, and I have no regrets. I am glad I did it because I felt I felt, could feel myself sort of burning out in terms of my creative juices were just not flowing um, at that point. And I needed to do something completely different. So I did. I went to IT. I didn't even know what IT stood for, but I applied for a job <laughs> in the newspaper um, and ended up doing project management in IT and office management for a long, long time after that. Okay. No art at all. And so then did the art become your your passion then instead of your career like you it did, did. You yeah know, I got hobby. back into my painting which was brilliant um because <laughs> I'd come in all those years I was working um in graphic design I I would come home exhausted and mm-hmm. I I couldn't put a paintbrush to a canvas and um I, I I was blessed that that came back and I really started to enjoy my art again um and you know to this day I I just love the feeling of being able to do that and not and to do it for myself rather than um as a job you yeah because that's what I was going to ask uh, that because I I can picture um when I was in secondary school there was a friend of mine who was phenomenal at art and more like you even in primary school she was the artist you know yeah. that's just the label she was given and literally every single one of us us like being her group of friends her teachers her parents were like pushing her and pushing pressure to go for art and I remember then she didn't for college and a lot of people saw it as a as a, as a waste which is such a horrible thing to say about someone choosing a, a college course that it's a waste yeah um and she did say to me I was like but I, I want to do it for me and if, yeah. I, if I do that and she, she you're basically the path I've taken for her is that if you don't like if you do it for people it's not your art correct yeah it's a job and I I that's why I take on so few commissions now I have to kind of pace myself um and make sure that some of the creativity um is for me and some of it is for my job now when I say creativity I have to say there is so little difference between me painting and me writing um that's what I was gonna ask yeah yeah, um I, I am here talking about writing after all but I I I I discovered um quite late in life that there's you know if you're looking at a blank canvas um the feelings the emotions you go through um when you you are looking at that and about to start are identical to looking at a blank screen Mm. and the feelings that you get when you create a painting are just the same as when you create a piece of writing be it a whole book or um a bit of flash fiction or whatever it's the very same thing the only difference is um a painting doesn't take forever although I am a very slow painter it doesn't take forever so you can actually see the light at the end of the tunnel from the get-go with a book it's a completely different kettle of fish so you do actually have to put yeah you have to put in other ways to carry you through um and other ways that keep you motivated until you get to the end um but so the transition from being an artist to being a writer um was seamless for me utterly seamless I literally one day put down my paintbrush and picked up a pen it was as simple as that um and a lot of people said no 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 you need to get back to your painting get back to your painting because nothing was happening with my writing for a long time but I just it it, it, what writing did that painting didn't do for me was it 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 satisfied me at a completely different level and it gave me everything that painting ever gave me plus more um so I I reckon um quite strongly that this is what I was meant to be doing um and I didn't realize it until I was in my 40s and I met with a fortune teller 
Yes, um, that was my next question. Yeah, I, I love it. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> yeah, she. I I had been through a lot. I'd gone through different uh, careers. I'd job hopped, you know, from my graph design into IT, into HR, blah, blah, blah. I was made redundant um, from a fabulous job um, in HR. Um, but that, and I said, this is it now. I'm going to spend the year focusing on my art um, and get really back. I was going to open, a, get my work into a gallery. That was my aim, blah, blah, blah. And uh, was doing extra courses with the redundancy money and also decided I'd try and get pregnant. <laughs> and a few months later, twins. And uh, yeah, so the, 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 what really shocked me was uh, a little bit prior to that, I'd been to this fortune teller probably because redundancy was coming up and I kind of wanted to know what direction should I take. Um, you know, I had some opportunities coming and uh, she actually talked about twins and I thought, you're mm -hmm. off your rocker. This is not going to, you know, you're gone down the wrong, you know, road there, dearie, you know, but yeah. she was blooming well, right. And twins came. So my whole world turned upside down at that stage. Um, and as time went by, the kids started to grow up. I couldn't work much. You know, I did a little bit of um, admin work from home um, to keep things going. Mm. Um, my art was gone completely. Um, you know, it wasn't even safe to have oil paints around the kids. So, uh, you know, my creativity uh, was running dry. And um, I went back. I was miserable, basically. And I went back to the same fortune teller. And I was telling her about all my woes. And in the middle of a conversation, she just literally stopped and shrieked almost um right 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 and she starts to hammer uh with her finger at the piece of paper that I was right I take notes down and I, I okay and I wrote down right 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 <laughs> and I thought she meant go home now and write about all your woes and yeah. your problems will solve themselves so that's exactly what I did went home opened my laptop new page you know blah 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 writing this is fierce boring so I opened a, a, a new page and I started to write a children's story and I was, I'd say a paragraph in, maybe a page in. And I just, I went running into my husband. I said, oh my God, oh my, it was literally a, a eureka moment for me. This is what I should have been doing with my life. You know, why didn't it occur to me? It genuinely didn't occur to me that this was my passion and this is what I should have been doing. Now I was clueless. I thought I could just finish the book and get it published. But, and yep. thank God, maybe I didn't know to some extent because you know that hope was there that yeah. you know I was actually going to publish a book um and I spent from that moment on I spent every waking minute writing and illustrating obviously I did the illustration as well mm -hmm. um of this chapter book and I thought this, this is my this is what I should be doing and it was only then that I kind of thought back um to all of the the I, tried, I was literally searching my own mind you know, why did I not write earlier and then I realized hold on a second writing was always there um like from the age of about seven or eight I was keeping journals every night they started off with your little kind of half page you know per mm. day or whatever it might be and I they ended up being these I have one here actually to your viewers on YouTube this one it was I think I was seven when I did wow. this one and it started off this tiny little thing of you know so much room for per day yeah. and it's bulging now it has everything from my fingernails that fell off to crisp bags that I sizzled in the fire until they shrunk to coins I found on the ground it literally it's and it has my horoscope for every day the top 10 songs for every day you know it's literally a history in a little book yeah. and I realized that I was doing that right into my teenage years just literally writing 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 there's stories in themselves in those in those books um, and then I started thinking more about my jobs that I used to do 
you know, I although I might have been in HR or office management, I was the go to person to to write that difficult email or letter or whatever yeah. it was at the time. You were the um, person that played with words. I wrote I wrote the presentations for the, the boss, you know, and I, I was always the one doing the writing. But again, never occurred to me that maybe I should make a go at it. And when I really thought hard about it, when I was in fifth year in school, um, I I remember English class, which was never really my favorite subject up until this particular teacher I had. Um, and she used to make us write a lot of stories, essays, stories um. And it was our first bit of creative writing, actually, when we got into writing a little bit of fiction, short stories. And I remember, to, for inspiration, my parents used to get, do you remember the Reader's Digest? It's probably well before yes. your time. Tiny little book that used to come in the post. And I remember reading that and it would have all sorts of little one-liners, literally mm-hmm. written down the bottom of the page or metaphors or whatever it might be. Um, and I used to think these were brilliant. So I try and, I try and feed them into my stories um, you know, and end the story on one of these fantastic one lines. I know it was half inch, but it was it was still to me, it was very clever that I managed to kind of evolve my story around this little one liner. Um, and I got a, I got a, I gained a huge interest in writing. But unfortunately, um, I had a run in with that teacher. Um, so I, I felt there was something growing at that time in me when it came to English and, and creative writing. But she accused me of not getting my homework in on time one day. <laughs> Imagine something so simple. And I was I was humiliated because I had done this was she'd obviously mixed me up with somebody else. She was must must have been having a bad day. And it really threw you off off. It completely threw me off when I focused back on my art then. So I wonder, I always wonder, was that like a sliding door moment? Had she praised me um for my work on that literally in the corridor that day? Would I have continued to write a bit more? Um, I don't know. But at the end of the day, what's meant for you won't pass you by. So when I met the the fortune teller all those years later, I suddenly realized I have been writing all my life. But, you know, and I had little poems stuck up framed on the wall that I wrote for my mother on her 60th birthday or whatever it might be. Yeah. So they're everywhere. Um, so I, I kind of knew that it was always in me to do it. Um, and what a moment to find out like this is what I should be doing. We all wonder what we should do when we grow up. <laughs> it just took me a long time. <laughs> and uh, I, I have to say, when um, I was uh, listening to a different podcast to, in the research for this interview um, that you were on, um, you told that story about the, the fortune teller saying, right, right, right. And uh, there, there's lots of different ways to tell fortunes. And uh, I won't lie, I had a giggle to myself because I thought, imagine if that fortune teller was saying, like you had your palm out, but it was your left palm. She was like, no, you're right, right, right. As in your <laughs> right hand. <laughs> and that accidentally sent you on a path. It just shows you something so simple can do it. But yeah, no, she was using the little tarot cards and apparently they told her. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I must go back to her actually. Uh, yeah, bring a copy of Else Time, which I would now like to uh, move on to and talk a little bit about. Um, so first, could you just maybe before we talk about you and writing the book and everything, could you just tell our viewers and listeners what the book is about? Sure. Well, it's a children's book, first off, um, for nine yeah. to 12 year olds, um, which is known as middle grade. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a it's a time travel story um, and it's set in both 1864 and 1928 um and 1928 was actually the year um where a great the great flood of london actually happened in in real life so that was kind of the inspiration behind the story so yeah back in 1864 we meet needle Luckett, who is a 
young 12 year old mudlark so he you know scratches around in the in the muddy foreshore looking for treasures and um, that he can kind of do up and then sell on his mother's market stall um, and he has a special gift and that is when he holds something in the palm of his hand he can actually tell its history so he can and he feels it inside uh, as if it's actually happening so uh, and the, whenever he does hold something the colder it is the older it is um, but one day he picks up treasure and discovers that it's hot um, so obviously that's very peculiar and then he realizes it's treasure from the future um, and this treasure when he when he does eventually get to to listen to it he discovers it, um, it's warning him of a great flood where people are going to die um, 64 years into the future in 1928 so uh, following his crow called magpie um, they don't travel elsewhere they stay in the same spot but they travel to elf time 1928 um, where they meet with this um, unbearably impatient girl called glory and um, she's a jeweler's apprentice um, and together they have to warn everybody of this great flood so that's that's the, the guts of it the adventure starts there that's uh it's, it's such a great idea and it's um uh, it's just there's something very ethereal about the the concept of else time because you know elsewhere somewhere all those kind of things that like somewhere sometime they make sense but I just love the uh, the the phrase else time because it's but just... it, that word should be there. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you know what? When I when it came to me, I remember googling it because I thought, is that just a word I haven't heard of? Like, me get my dictionary back out, <laughs> see if it's in my dictionary. But um, and it wasn't. Um, and I I was baffled because else time. If you've got your elsewhere's or what have you, why haven't you got your else time? Yeah. Um, and that's actually you know forms a scene in the book where where Needle who who. Uh, struggles sometimes with his words and his communication um, is flustered and is trying to explain to Glory that, you know, he is from the same town as her, but um, so he's not from elsewhere. He's from a different time or else time. So right. th- uh, that's where the word comes in. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a great idea. Um, can I ask, was that, was, was else time the, the, the story you started writing that day after you uh, met the fortune teller or was oh. else time something that came later? It came later. I, I, uh, the first story I wrote uh, was called uh, something like Bobby and Faye's Marvelous Imaginings. And uh, it was a chapter book, uh, an illustrated chapter book. And um, I suppose that was just my, my intro into the world of writing. Um, soon after that, I wrote another book, a middle grade novel. Um, and I poured my heart and soul into this book. And that's where I really learned the craft of, of yeah. writing um, and also about the the actual world of writing um, and how publishing worked. So I, I that's where I really figured out. Um, that's where I did my study, basically. Um, and then the next book was Else Time. Um, so, yeah, there was a few years, I think two years, uh, maybe between the first time I started to dedicate myself to my writing um, and when I started to write Else Time. So I suppose in one sense, it's my third book. Um, that I've ever tried to write so I'm lucky you know sometimes it takes a hell of a lot more as we know it takes a lot longer um, to get a book published um, but yeah no it wasn't definitely wasn't my first book no I wasn't that lucky <laughs> so then how long was it from the fortune teller saying right 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 to publication day of else time how, how long was that and what five was years that? I'd say yeah it was, I, mean, I think it was, it was fast. 2015 um, I think I think when I met her um, and then uh 2017 I had my first draft of Else Time um and um 
I think it was 2018, I secured my agent. So yeah, it, 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 it took, um, it was, I suppose it was fast. Um, it's a long time though to have, um, you know, for, predict for to have health time in my head, you know, from 2017 yeah. to 2020. It's a long time, really, you know, in terms of headspace. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, and it, and it all happens then so quickly, you know, once the, the buttons are pressed and everybody said yes, you know, it just, it all snowballs, you know, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's a long journey. It is, it definitely is. And um, for, for most, for most of the people, most of the writers that um, watch the and listen to the podcast are self-published or indie published. Um, what do you think is, for, for the, anyone who's looking to be traditionally published, what do you think was the most difficult part of that whole process of when you finish draft one of else time to you have a physical copy in your hand what was the hardest part of that time well i suppose um getting an agent is the hardest um and like i, I am i i do know uh, quite a few self-published writers and in fact i i intended self-publish myself um in the very early days and it was actually a serendipitous meeting I had with Vanessa Fox Lachlan of writing.ie um you know I was still working I think part-time at the time um it was you know the, the kids were at home and all this stuff and I'd, I'd been asked to go to a conference about um creating websites and I thought okay I needed to do it for work but I you know it would be very handy if I wanted to self-publish my book and mm. um, that I'd been writing my first book so um at that meeting I think there were three publishing people at it because we all had introduced ourselves as we go around the room. And I thought, whoa, this is a bit of a coincidence mm. that I should turn up at one of these business things and three people um, were involved in publishing. Um, but uh, I, I mentioned when I was introduced myself that I was there on, with two hats on, one as a writer and one as, uh, my, my, in my work capacity. And uh, so luckily, Vanessa came up to me um, on the break and said, look, we're running a competition. Um, called date with an agent um, oh, okay. and this was the first time a thing went off my head going oh maybe I need an agent um, and <laughs> she said why don't you apply and see how you go and I thought sure I will why not yeah. so I did I sent in um, that book um, the first thousand words whatever the hell it was can't remember at the time um, and I also thought okay this is my chance to actually get an agent and uh, so what I did was I literally overnight wrote the first chapter of my next book which was called Ambiguity and um, I sent the two in and uh, very was over the moon to find out a few weeks later that the second book that I'd written specifically for that competition um, had won a date with an agent and um, now the book <laughs> I'd only written a chapter or two so I was suddenly like oh, oh no. my god I need to get writing so um, yeah it was what a learning curve my god um, but I have to say you know, anybody who is interested in getting traditionally published, it is the best place to start because you are you go in there with very little knowledge of how the publishing world works and you come out with everything you need to know. Um, because the, the, the way in which that competition is run is, yes, you get your date with your agent um, and you get, you know, gold dust advice from an agent. Um, but you the whole day is designed around um teaching you how the industry works so there's also the different uh, speakers at, at the actual conference that day so I learned everything um, there I also met people who are still um, you know good friends good writing pals um, you know from that one first day so th now yeah I didn't get an agent at it um, and maybe I went in a little bit 
you know, foolishly thinking this was my only chance and I had to get it right. I got my nails done. I had, you know, I even had the satchel, you know, that looked like a writer. Oh my God. Anyway, so yeah, I made a complete All fool the of myself. <laughs> yeah. Made a complete, you know what, of myself in front of the of the uh, of the agent. But she was so kind, um, Polly Nolan. Um, is her name she's quite well established um in the uk so uh but you know not one to be kind of beaten down <laughs> i applied the next year again um with else time so uh, you know and that really set me on yeah, she, she remembered me how could she not making such a fool of myself from the previous year um polly was uh, you know gobsmacked at the difference in terms of growth um, wow. and in terms of my writing in that one year so um that really encouraged me to keep going and I'd only just I think I wasn't long writing else time at the time so yeah so that that's that that getting the agent was to me the hardest uh hurdle uh, to get over mm. um so how how like explain how that happened then um beyond that point um I had um obviously finished else time and yeah. I I was I realized that you know from the previous from ambiguities attempts at, at getting an agent um I I realized how hard it was going to be and to get into a literally I could visualize the slush pile you know that I was right down here down the bottom I had nothing no published works no poetry nothing to sort of say look I am a dedicated writer mm. um so I started to enter competitions um with else time and um I entered one called the Wells F- uh, Festival of Literature uh, Book for Children Award and um lo and behold I won it and I I was you know the way you just don't know whether your book is is brilliant or absolute rubbish (laughs) so to to win it um really blew my mind and um but what it really did was it meant that I was going up a couple of notches on a slush pile um and that that to me was the the real benefit um because you, you do have to grab the eye of the agent somehow and um I kept at it then I applied a few weeks later to the Bath novel awards um uh, for children and i long listed in that so that was more even more well known so i got i got further up the pile um and lo and behold it worked because suddenly i was getting requests for uh, a full manuscript from various different agents at that point okay. um so you so that that was key you know um, competitions having, you were entering then were you entering that with a sample of the manuscript of else time or the full manuscript um, it was uh, with the Wells one, if I remember correctly, it was the full manuscript. I don't think there was a shortlisting. It was just, or was there a shortlisting? There was a shortlisting. So it was, yeah, it was a sample and then the, the full manuscript once it got shortlisted. Um, the Bath Novel Award was the same um, as far as I remember. God, it seems like it's only in 2017. It feels like donkey's years ago. So yeah, yeah you you submit an amount, you get longlisted, you send in your full um uh, manuscript and then they, they read that and um, the Bath uh, Novel Awards is slightly different now there's uh, obviously a lot of your listeners are probably aware of it but there's also the adult um, writing as well um, for, for in the Bath Novel Awards and then there's the children's version but the, in the children's one uh, luckily they have young readers so they have a whole cohort of, of 9 to 12 year olds reading these books um, so yeah. you get their feedback at the end, which is really, really useful, you know, from the horse's mouth, you know, it's fantastic. Um, so yeah, but they both read the full manuscript and, um, but it, it made an enormous difference to me, um, to have that on my, my writing CV, if you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be one bit of advice I'd have for anybody who is seeking to be traditionally published, um, is to find a way of standing out amongst the crowd. Um, you, you know, your writing m- might do that. 
and should do that on its own. But you sometimes need something else to really get you, that your, your book under the nose of, of these agents. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like we all know how many submissions they get daily. Oh, you yeah. know, it's, it's crazy it's world. Crazy. I um, don't want to be a publisher just for that because I'd feel so bad. They know. This, like, I mean, even my own pile of books that I want to read myself that are published, <laughs> like, yeah, get through them fast enough. So I can't imagine what it's like to have people sending stuff to me. Um, I'd say it's it's very difficult, but um, yeah, I I I was lucky in that um, when I did get the request for full um, manuscripts, most of them came back um, with a kind of a positive response, um, but no direct bites. They were all looking for um, me to revise and resubmit. So they all had sort of areas at which they felt. Um, I needed to improve in the, in the book. And, you know, when I got the first one in, I immediately thought, oh, I need to do this. I need to make these changes quick. Um, but then another one came in and another one came in and they clashed with each other. So, you know, I, I there was no way I could incorporate everybody's changes. So it suddenly made me realize I need to do even more research um, in terms of understanding what these agents are about, who they represent, who do I want to work with um, for potentially the rest of my writing career. And, mm-hmm. Um, it was only when I got one uh, from uh, Josephine Hayes of the Blair Partnership um, and her suggestions <clears throat> were everyone. I was like, tick the box, tick the box. I just 100 percent agreed with everything she said. And at the end, I was expecting to read, you know, please revise and resubmit. Mm. Um, but it didn't. It said, please come over and see us. And oh, wow. I thought, OK, this is this is definitely something. And hilariously. Um, when I had when I started off my whole writing career, when I thought it was going to be easy, <laughs> um, when I wrote that first little chapter book, I sent it to the Blair Partnership because they did J.K. Rowling, and I thought, okay, they're going to publish my book. So I sent it to them, and believe it or not, it, based on my first effort, they actually looked for a full manuscript. Oh, wow. um, Okay. So that was a huge, I cried when I got that email. I literally thought I meant to be doing this. But anyway, little did I know. But anyway, so it it, it, it was wonderful that the last email that I really kind of took in in terms of agents was also from them. And I went over um, that day over to London. I'll never forget it. It was the most magical day ever. And I had a just a brilliant, brilliant session with Joe uh, jo Hayes um, in her offices. And I expected, you know, like you do at the end that she would say, we'll come back to you, you know. Yeah. Um, and she said at the end that, well, we'd love to represent you. And I just fell off the chair, just couldn't believe it, uh, was in complete shock. Um, and I, I literally ran from that building beaming. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of your writers notice this, but when you're writing, um, so many little serendipitous moments happen that kind of push you along the way like like my fortune teller like meeting Vanessa that day who told me to enter a competition um and that particular day when I got my agent I ran from her offices and I went to this tiny little green in the middle of London it was next to Oxford Street like in the center of, of, of the city and um I was sitting there waiting for my sister to come back and join me and um, she traveled with me and I was sitting on the grass and right beside me on the grass, kind of stuck into the mud, was a gold ring um, with a ruby stone in it. And the reason why, obviously, that's a big deal to find something like that in the grass. But what really blew my mind was in the first couple of pages of Elf Time, Needle, um, our mudlark, finds a gold ring that did have a ruby stone in it once. Oh. And he describes it as twisting around twice, the gold twist around twice. That was in the book already that I'd written. And this ring, I find, I kid you not... <laughs> 
no twisted around twice sort of um with the ruby stone so I just couldn't I was just this is this was meant to be you know so and I'm sure I, I don't know maybe I'm just batty but I I certainly have noticed as I write that there are little things that happen around you maybe your eyes are more focused on it um yeah yeah yeah. you know definitely. the whole time so I, I think I think you have to take the magic when it comes you know yeah oh, that's a lovely way to say it you have to take the magic when it comes I like that um I want to now talk about two two things but kind of together if that makes sense you you launched a book in September 2020 <laughs> um <laughs> the year that we're all glad to see the back of um so I'd like to ask you a bit like what that was like but also incorporate a little bit of how we got to know each other before I interviewed you. Um, so anyone who has been a fan of the show or watching the show, you might remember last season I interviewed Sarah Webb, uh, another children's author from Ireland. And Sarah, after our interview, um, reached out to me and asked, would I be interested in volunteering for Wonderfest? And Eve, that's how I met Eve, because Eve and Sarah organized it together. So could you tell us a little bit about launching a book in 2020 and how Wonderfest kind of came about also. Yeah, well, okay, 2020, what a year uh, <laughs> to, to publish a book, Mother of God, certainly to be a debut um, writer yeah. um, in that year. So yeah, the book was meant to be published in June and um, we had kind of geared up towards that. We'd started the COGS, you know, in terms of PR back in uh, February, I think. Um, and things were beginning to really hot up. We were getting ready, you know, lists of who to send it out to yeah, for review, early reviews and so forth. And then the, pu- the plug was pulled, pulled um, completely. Mm. And, you know, there was no arguing with it. It had to be done. And we, we, the publisher decided September would be a good time, which I actually was delighted about because the book is set in sort of a wintry um you know time and you know I felt the middle of summer was a bit odd anyway in the first place so I thought this is all meant to be (laughs) and I genuinely thought September was going to be grand and um, yeah and uh of course that wasn't going to be the case so um it was a bit it was it was unnerving um to try and publish a book in that time because you know I had pictured myself you know touring bookshops around not just in Ireland but in the UK um you know, getting to know uh, people at festivals. I, I had all oh, great plans. And and one big thing that I was so geared up and so excited about was meeting the readers um, and doing school events. Um, you know, obviously my book is, is very much about finding treasure and what you can do with them. So I literally have a treasure box full of mudlark treasures that I couldn't wait for the kids to dip in and tell stories with. I, I had all these great plans and they were there from day one, you know, when I started writing that book. And that, of course, didn't happen. And uh, so, you know, yeah, you could be upset about it. But the flip side, I've never launched a book before. So, yeah. you know, it was going to be special, whatever um whatever happened so I made the most of it there were things I had to change you know for example I couldn't go to bookshops um like I I had planned so instead of going to do signings I you know designed up some um book plates that I signed and sent out to to bookshops if I got wind that any bookshop was stocking my book I'd write to them say thank you you know so you you kind of have to really find other ways of connecting with booksellers the most important people (laughs) in your career so you know that 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 was one thing I very quickly learned but as part of that um obviously you know we all have our tribe our writing tribe um we need that it's essential um as we go through this journey and um through that I joined CBI Children's Books Ireland 
Um, and this is where uh, Wonderfest was born, if you like. CBI organized coffee mornings, Zoom coffee mornings to get mm. us writers together um, really to boost our morale, I suppose, and, and compare notes. And we were on one, one of those uh, coffee mornings and people, it was a constant kind of barrage of, oh my God, this is so difficult. How are we going to get into kids' schools um, to do our jobs? Um, and that's how most children's writers, certainly in this country, make a living, you know, is, is doing school events. Yeah. Um, so we, it was a big problem. And uh, one person butted in and said well let's solve the problem um and it was it was as simple as that and that was Sarah Webb and she said okay let's put together a festival and it was like a decision she made at the drop of a hat she said please show me your hand if you're interested in helping and 12 of us did that and uh yeah and we didn't have a clue you know where it would lead um but my god that woman she's 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 got superpowers yeah. Um, anyway, I can put it. Um, she has all the right connections too, and she knows her stuff. She's 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 organised multiple uh, festivals, and um, so she organised uh, what we called Wonderfest. And um, I wasn't sure where or how I could help as a debut writer, um, in this whole process. So the only thing I could offer was my admin skills, and I said I can do spreadsheets. <laughs> That's all I can do: spreadsheets. Um, um, and I love Excel. It's a really sad story. Throw in there. I have seen Eve's spreadsheet skills. Oh my, like, oh my god, it's impressive. <laughs> You've seen nothing yet, Connor. Goodness gracious me! But uh, yeah, well, in website, all those yeah, jobs that I had, I I spent my life in Excel. Like, I absolutely adored it. Um, God Almighty. Anyway, so this was just you know no problem. I'll I'll keep the data if you like, and um, yeah. but that turned out to be a hell of a lot more work. <laughs> banked on so if you can imagine my book launched in September mm. um and my intention was yeah and I knew I was going to be crazy busy throughout the months of August September October when there's a lot of PR stuff lined up in terms of interviews and articles that you write and so forth so taking this on in the middle of that was a bit bananas to be brutally yeah. honest um but I genuinely thought it would only take a couple of hours a week um <laughs> how wrong I was so it turned out that this became um Working on this oh, became full time. Yeah. My kids were abandoned. Uh, the pets were abandoned. Um, I literally gave it my heart and soul. And it, it took a lot more work than I had originally banked. But my God, did I love it. I really, I, I, I actually wondered, um, is this why, why I'm on this planet? Never mind the writing. Is it to organize festivals? Because I felt it was bringing together all of my skills, you know, yeah. in terms of my organizational skills, admin the book world, everything, uh, creativity, the lot. Um, so I, I really thought, Jesus, this is this is it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were there were there was a nail biting moments, several of them, you know, to make sure that this thing rolled out right. Um, but it came together absolutely beautifully. Um, but it was Sarah Webb at the helm and me just being the yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, uh, behind it. You know, so yeah, it, it it was brilliant. And from the from a very tiny part that I, I played in it it was so amazing to see so for anyone who <clears throat> isn't aware basically it was just a whole load of it was a full three days uh Friday yeah. Saturday Friday Sunday. Saturday Sunday I think there uh, were 60 artists um, yeah. just under 60 artists involved and there were 30 events all digital um this was never done before um you know complete um digital rollout and it was aimed at schools um and families as well 
Um, so there were a huge mix of events from workshops to uh, panels to, you know, it was, it was just brilliant. It covered everything, even um, for parents, you know, um, so the parents could also join in and see what books were out there um, and recommended for their children, which is brilliant coming up to Christmas. Yeah. So it, it all it was it was a fantastic weekend in November and a massive, massive success. I'm huge. I'm so proud to have been involved. I really am. Um, yeah, it, it was it was just so good. And I think one thing you, you touched on it there and it's really important to recognize uh, that it was the first uh, event of its kind really to have this purely digital book festival and I think that's that's something that other countries and other organizations are going to be looking at and looking at the example that um, yourself and Sarah can, and so many other people um, all kind of blazed that trail didn't you so um, yeah we, we literally did blaze that trail um, and we learned so much along the way um, you know really but the thing is, the main thing is that Sarah had a dream and she had 100% faith that it would work. And now I'm a pessimist to the best of times. Um, she's Pollyanna. And it, I suppose that's why it worked so well um, as a team, obviously with everybody else involved. It wasn't just the two of us. <laughs> but yeah. it, it, it's certainly like, you know, I would bring my worries and concerns to the party and she would just be it's going to, it's going to work. It's, this is how we're going to do it. And it's going to work. And, um, and I put all my faith in her. My God, she, she turned up Trump's. She, she really did make it work. Um, so yeah, there was a lot, a lot to learn. Um, but it, it worked out extremely well in the end. And it's not the end of Wonderfest. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's growing legs and we'll see more of it. Um, I'm sure in, in, in 2021, be it digital or not, you know, so it's, it's, um, you know, it was great to be there from the get go and to meet so many fantastic um, writers and illustrators in Ireland. That was that was the main benefit for me um, was to be literally hugged uh, by the community. Um, you know, and it, it that really in this year was oh, crucial yeah. for me because otherwise it would have been a very lonely experience launching a book um, in this year. But to have everybody's 100% support was just incredible um, and to learn from these masters you know it was just great to see them in action and the creativity you know uh, nothing was a problem you know let's do this let's do this let's oh my gosh if, if we'd had more time I can only we would have landed men on the moon like it was just incredible <laughs> you know um, my next question was going to be would you do it again but I think the answer is yes is it it is with a caveat and that is this oh. I suppose I know I know how much time it took and um, it literally took over my life for a period of, I don't know, six weeks. Um, now, my intention during those six weeks was to write book number two. And uh, that didn't happen. I literally my head could would have exploded now you know, to try and do the two. So I've learned that myself that, you know, it's not like a normal nine to five job doing a festival. It's it's every hour. It's seven days a week. Um, until D-Day and I, I knowing that I would make sure if I am doing it again that I have that time cleared to do that because you don't need this nagging guilt that you should yeah. be writing when you're doing something else um, so that that was a tough one to overcome but um, now that now that it's done I'm back in on my writing um, and that that's important too so yeah I, I hope I really do hope I get the opportunity to do it again but I will be prepared this time. So speaking of getting back into your writing, um, what are you working on now? Or is it something you don't want to share yet? Oh, sure. I'd share anything. 
now I'm, I'm writing I'm writing another middle grade um my heart is in middle grade absolutely 100 it's what I read all the time um with the odd little adult books sort of thrown in but yeah I'm, I'm writing a book which is set in Paris in the 1800s cool. um and it follows the story of a little girl called Ren um who's a chestnut roaster and Ren has a uh, a gift, I suppose, or a burden, whichever way you want to look at it, in that she has the inability to forget. So she can remember everything in her entire life. Wow. Um, so she can't forget uh, even if she wanted to. Um, and something crazy happens uh, that makes her realize that things are not all as they seem um, in her Paris. So that's the story I'm, I'm writing at the moment. I'm actually blessed in that I, I got, I won some mentorship with Words Ireland, um, which I'm sure a lot of your readers are aware of. Um, it's a fantastic initiative um, that's run every year um, and writers uh, can apply, um, published or not published, um, you can apply to have mentorship over the course of a year. Um, with um, a published writer in Ireland so I'm working with Elizabeth Murray on that um, and I'm delighted to have her because you know with the year that's been in it I've I've needed my god I've never needed mentorship more um, and I need her to kind of keep pushing me and pushing me um, to, to keep to keep going um, I'm sure we've all found it hard this year yeah. to keep focus on all on all spectrums of creativity it has been like it's been the, the most strange year in the sense of for a lot of people, they found more time to create. I mean, this podcast that I have now came from 2020. Like I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have dedicated the time to learn how to do it without the 2020 having happened. And I know of other shows as well, like um, that, that are the same, but then at the same time, for other people, it's gone the complete opposite and it's been so debilitating and there's certain creative careers that people would have had to leave because the income wasn't there and they weren't able to support themselves. So it's it's this weird, like on one end of the spectrum, it's been great and on the other end, it's been terrible. It's just- Yeah, I, I've certainly found it a very, very um, big upheaval. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of obviously the first half of the year it was homeschooling. Um, which brain drained me. My God, you teachers <laughs> don't know how you do it. Um, uh, whoa. But that, that, that was, um, that obviously had a massive impact on my writing time. Yeah. Um, and then between that and then launching a book and then, uh, you know, another lockdown and festival and so forth, it's, it's been really difficult to, to find the headspace to actually create and to write. Um, and I think it was a Derek Landy, I think, said um, in Wonderfest that, you know, to to be a good writer, you have to be able to daydream and um, meaning you need to lose yourself in your story. And obviously you can't daydream when hell's going on around you. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that kind of summed it up for me that, you know, don't be pushing yourself to do something that's not quite possible in a year um, uh, like it has. But I'm hopeful that 2021 for people um, in finding themselves in that boat, you know, they'll they'll have a little bit more push and focus this year that regardless of what's going on around us, that we can really try to etch out some clean writing time or creative creativity, mm-hmm. whatever it is we do, um, you know, to, to, to be able to focus on that again. Um, because I think we're all learning that we have to carry on and yeah. we have to adapt and uh whatever comes of it great 
isn't it wonderful that in like the likes of yourself, you were able to create something so brilliant as, as a podcast out of it. Um, and hopefully you will continue that when life does starts to get back to normal, you know, that's, so that's, that's the challenge is here. With that's you. the challenge for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's been it's been a real shake up, I think, for all of us. Yeah, know, it really has. I think when, mm. I think the one I think the one common benefit that everyone has from 2020 is everyone had to reevaluate what was important and what wasn't for themselves. I mean, you had that experience in your past when you left your um, graphic design job. And when you left your, your IT HR job. So I think that's one thing everyone had that experience in the last 12 yeah. months of having to reevaluate what was important and what wasn't. You do. And you know, you're making me think of, of um, uh, Roald Dahl saying, I actually haven't stuck to my computer. I, I work with this thing 24 seven. Um, and he once said that if you are interested in something, no matter what it is, go at it full speed, embrace it with both arms, hug it love it and above all become passionate about it because lukewarm is no good and I have that stuck on my laptop 24-7 an old scrappy piece of post-it um, and to me that sums it up because you know you you have to find the time to find your passion and really go for it um, and if you don't life's too short like you, oh, know, yeah. you, you really have one chance at this so just you know if you are a writer and you know you're you're in the middle of your journey or it's you know you haven't quite published yet be it self-published or traditionally keep going if it's your passion do it don't go half-hearted go at it um go no matter what well, no matter what yeah um if this has been great so what i'm gonna do i'm gonna start wrapping up now um i'll start i have a set of questions i ask everyone at the end because i think it's just nice to hear the same questions but all the different answers that it ends up being so when this interview is over and after we've Say goodbyes and good lucks and all that after the recording. What's the first thing you're going to do? Uh, eat. Yeah, <laughs> my, my kids. My kids are uh, probably start. It's now what? It's twenty past one in the afternoon. Yeah. the kids are at home, <laughs> and they need feeding. So yeah, food, lunch, definitely. Um, what are what are your goals as a writer now? Like, what's what's? I know you're currently writing that. Um, uh, uh, book set in Paris but like what, what are your kind of big huge someday goals as a writer gosh um my someday goals well I I was I, ambition's a dangerous thing really <laughs> you know I I really do I do want to be published again um I want to hopefully be published um I keep thinking I want to be published by a large publishing house I was published by a small indie um publisher in the UK and what it, it brings I mean you can be a big fish in a small sea or a small fish in a big sea but I'd like to experience both um I would one day like to have a traditional book launch where it's not 2020 and experience you know literally that that that, that wonderful um moment where you're with your family and your friends you celebrating with champagne I want to do that that's my that's my my ambition so I want to kind of redo it again <laughs> good uh do you have any goals that have nothing to do with writing at all that you'd, you'd like to share yeah I've, stay healthy is really my my goal stay healthy um and I, I you know I'm, I I really am focused on writing now and you know this is just day one of my career I hope um so I want to focus on that I really do and yeah I could get sidetracked with ambitions about painting and whatever other creative 
you know, uh, thing that I want to do. But no, I want to focus on my writing now, um, at least for another while and and see where it brings me. Good. Um, so then finally, um, a second last question. Where, if um, anyone who's watching or listening, where can they find you online? Um, I'm on everywhere, really. I, I have my website, uh, evemacdonald.com. Um, you can contact me through that, obviously, through the contact page. Um, but I'm also up on Twitter. I love Twitter. Um, it's where I found my writing tribe. Um, so I'm there as Eve underscore Mac underscore Donald. Um, and I'm on Instagram as Eve MacDonald as well. So, um, yeah, you can find me there. And there'll be links to that, as always, in the uh, description on YouTube and in the show notes. And then my very last question, Eve, is what is the last book you read? The, I actually read two books together. One oh. was a YA, because um, I'm always reading either middle grade or a little bit of YA. Um, but this particular YA I fell in love with. It's called The Wolf Road, and it's by Richard Lambert. And it's my publisher published this book as well. So, um, but my God, it blew me away. Fantastic book. At the same time, I was reading um, an adult book, which is um, Sarah Baum, another Baum. Um, Sarah's book called Handiwork came out, I think was it earlier this year um it's it's a fabulous book um and for anybody who creates it is a book you should read because it'll speak to you it's it's um it literally follows her day-to-day life as she's a a visual artist and a writer so it actually literally follows her process and what it means to her and um it's it really every other page I was going yeah yeah <laughs> I could fully understand where she was coming from so um that's a brilliant but that's a very quick read it's a fabulous book um so I would recommend that to, to any any of your listeners who are creative brilliant um Eve thank you so much for carving out the time to do this it has been uh, great to get to know you and great to hear uh your entire story and uh thank you so much for coming on to the show Thank you for having me, Connor. It's been an absolute joy. You've got me back into January and a good start now. The old brain <laughs> flowing again. <laughs> good, good, good. Thanks again. I had a blast getting to know Eve and um, the talk we had afterwards where Eve listened to the troubles I've been having with my first children's book, which was invaluable. And I want to thank Eve um, again for helping me so much. If you want to know more about Eve or her book Else Time or to get in touch with her, find her on Twitter or go check out her website, all of which are linked in the show notes. Or you can check out connorbraden.com slash eve dash dash interview. Eve was also um, taking part in the Isle of Wight Story Festival on the 17th of February. Um, it's a free digital event and it's particularly great for 8 to 12 year olds. So if you're... Um, in connection with an 8 to 12 year old kid who'd be who'd be interested in being part of a story festival uh, check out iwstoryfestival.com that's iwstoryfestival.com and there's a link to that in the show notes as well as for the winners of the two competitions if you guessed South America and Antarctica congratulations and congrats to Anders Kingsley um, who won that one and I bought and I'm already starting to read his book The Secret of the Second Zeus which has been keeping me up late at night. It's a really captivating thriller. Um, 
also congratulations to and I swear this was randomly picked but uh, Halo Scott guest from season 1 and uh, guest star of the D&D episode who just won a signed copy of The Longest Night and to be honest I'm delighted that I do get to send it to her because uh, it's a nice way to say thank you for all her support in the meantime be sure to tune in next week when I'll be talking to Mike Coles a lawyer an author a father and developer of the app Choose Your Reader an app which allows children to listen to different members of their family tell them bedtime stories. Mike has a really interesting story and his passion for this app is infectious. So be sure to listen to it. Um, But that's it for now. So thanks very much for listening and as always, see you next time.
Thanks once more to Ross for coming on to the show. If you'd like to see more from Ross, go to conorbraden.com slash ross-young-interview and you'll find links to his books, his website and so much more. His comics, which you can find on his Twitter and Instagram, are amazing. And one thing I really want to recommend is the game he created. Yes, Ross is a game designer as well as many other jobs. Um, on his website, there is a fake Twitter called Bitter and I played through it a few times and it's a hoot. It's a really good fun, so check it out. Be sure to tune in next week as I have Irish children's author Eve MacDonald on the show. We talk about her wonderful book Else Time as well as how a fortune teller convinced her that writing was the career for her. As always, thank you so much for listening and be sure to check the link in the show notes to leave a review. Anyway, that's all from me for this week. See you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you loved listening to this episode just as much as I loved recording it. If you like the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or over on Podchaser. Until then, be good, be brave, and tell stories. See ya.